From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Man Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Man Cometh! Hello, hello, hello! Welcome! Welcome, welcome to episode 276 of Australia's leading tabletop podcast radio show. It's the Dice Men Cometh tonight, Thursday, the 5th of September. We're in this little bit of middle ground here where Father's Day is long gone and my birthday is uh, in two days. So I don't know if everyone else is excited as I am, but I am turning 40 in oh, two Garth. days, Mark. Garth, now, Garth, can you, Garth. Can you even cast your memory back that far? 40? Yeah. What's that? Well, it's just a number. It's I'm like a lifetime ago. Yeah, Leon, if he was here, would go, I can't even count that high because I don't have that many fingers. Yeah. But look, episode 276 tonight is for you and I, Mark, a very easy episode because the work is done. By me. By you. So By thank me. you very much. And I'll put that out there publicly in Radio Land because tonight all we're going to do is press play on an interview that Mark did earlier in this week with... A very favourite designer of the Dice Men Cometh, mm. uh, a little guy by the name of Ignace Trevichek. Ignace. Ignace. I knew I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> I was on a hiding to nothing there. Yeah. But Mark sat down and chatted to the designer of, look, a lot of games, but probably some of the most notable ones would be Robinson Crusoe, Imperial Settlers, which is definitely... One of my favourites, yeah. Detective, which you've talked about recently. Oh, yeah, and First Martians. I've raved about both of those for a long time, and I had a I had a great chance to talk to him about those. You know, hit him with some of the hard questions. I must admit. Well, I hope so because Mark, you normally have a tendency to fanboy out just a little bit so you blame when you were sitting with the designers. Like, Can you blame me? Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! And that's fine as long as you do ask those hard hitting questions. So, look, we are going to cut to a song. Then we're going to come back and play part one of a two-part interview that Mark did with Ignace. 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 Okay, so you're with the Dice Men Cometh. It's episode 276. Leon is busy doing Leonie things tonight, so it's just the two of us. But Ignace is our third Dice Man tonight. So after this song, you'll come back and hear it all on the Dice Men Cometh. It's right now, 99.3 FM. Hey, it's Bo. Board games are cool, and you should listen to the Dice Men Cometh. Yeah. Well, that goes out to all the lonely boys and all the lonely girls and all the lonely everybody's you with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Now, somebody who was not lonely on Wednesday night was fellow Dice Man Mark Rickards. No. Who sat down in front of his computer and virtually talked to Ignace Trevichek on the other side of the world. So here's part one of that amazing interview. Okay, tonight I am so excited. I am trying not to fanboy out, but I am talking with one of my favourite designers. I'm sure he's one of yours. It's Ignace Tsevacek. Now, hopefully I haven't butchered his name, but just to let you know, he's designed such amazing games as 51st State, Robinson Crusoe, First Martians, Imperial Settlers, and Detective a Modern Crime Board Game, Ignatza, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. Thank you for the invitation. Hello, everybody. Before we get into some gaming questions, I just wanted to ask, how did you get into board game design? Oh, this is, of course, it was a long process. It was like a couple of stages. 
Uh, first of all, it all started like with most of us. I was a geek. I was one of these Stranger Things kids playing role-playing games in high school and with my buddies and friends. So I was very deep into role-playing games. I played the Warhammer, I played Call of Cthulhu, I played Cyberpunk, all these uh, 90s uh, role-playing games. And uh, then uh, when I was in the college, and as every stu student on this planet, I needed money because students always are broke. <laughs> yes. And I figured out that I would try to write a scenario, an adventure for a role-playing game, and send it to the paper so they can uh, publish it. We, we had an official magazine about role-playing games in Poland back then. It was called Swords, Magic and uh, Swords and, uh, and uh, Swords, or something like that. And uh, I sent it, and they say, this is very good adventure. They paid me money, which was amazing. My name was, you know, published in the official magazine about role-playing games. So I was in heaven, and I figured out this is my career now. So <laughs> I started writing like crazy. I wrote a ton of articles. They get a very good feedback. So I became quite uh, known in Polish role-playing game scene as a writer. I mostly write for the Warhammer role-playing game, uh, adventures and articles, how to run companies, etc. And at some point, I was writing like crazy. The magazine was not able to publish it whatsoever because I wrote so much stuff. And I figured out, okay, I need to found my own game company. I need to found my own magazine so I can print all the <laughs> ma materials I can write. And here we are in 1999, so it was 20 years ago, I, I told my parents that I'm dropping college, which was a super crazy idea. And I'm going to found a game company. This is the moment when my parents should kill me <laughs> uh, or at least kick me in the ass. But they say, okay, Ignacy, we give you one year, so try for one year and then you will go back to the college if it fails. And uh, one year later, I was still doing game company. I never came back to the college. So my education is not finished. I cannot show diploma, but I'm happy founder and happy owner of the game company 20 years later. So uh, kudos for my parents. They have the courage you know, to give me a chance, to give me this one year of, of, of trial. And yes, I started with a magazine about role-playing games. So we were writing about Cyberpunk, about Call of Cthulhu, we were, you know, different articles and modules, etc. And when company was growing, we started publishing our own role-playing games. And then I found out about board games. And then I started designing board games. And now I am uh, renowned mostly as a, as a board game designer. But it all started for, as me as a writer, as a writer for, for role-playing games uh, this year for 20 years of, of Portal Games. Because this year we are celebrating 20 years of Portal Games. We released one, uh, one book that I wrote 10 years ago as a gift for our fans, as a way to show them what Ignacio was writing. Like, because so many fans of Portal Games know this history. Like, they know I was back then deep into role-playing games, but none of these materials was ever translated into in English. So this year, to celebrate 20th birthday, we said, okay, we will translate one book just so you can read and, uh, you know, taste and experience the stuff that you only know from the rumors and from the interviews. So the, the book is called Play Smart. It is about uh, how to be a good game master. So this is my advice is how to run a great, exciting campaign for your players. It was released now at Gen Con, and uh, I'm looking forward for the feedback from the fans when they say finally, okay, now we understand what you say in the interviews, what you were writing back then, is 20 or 15 years ago. That book, Game Smart, you said it was released or teased at Gen Con. I hadn't heard about that. How would our listeners go about trying to buy a copy of that book? 
Yeah, I think I think it might be it might be difficult because we we know it is like um, it is not our regular uh, product. Yes, it is not a board game. So of course they can order it from our website. It is obvious portalgamesusa.com. We will try to put it on Amazon.com, of course. But basically, it will not be in a regular game stores. Like I cannot um, imagine that a regular game store will order this book from the Portal Games. They know Portal Games as a publisher of the board game, right? So for them, this uh, book. Like without the context, without knowing, that, hey, this is Ignacy from 15 years ago. Like this is cool. Like without this, you know, as you call the fanboy excitement, this book is rather, you know, surprising for the for the business, for the distribution. So we we keep it like a low. Uh, our website, I guess, Amazon.com, at etc. But uh, if you can hunt it down on the shows or online. I think you have a great time with that. We are now exactly today. This this fun you mentioned that exactly today my employee came to me today, and that we are trying to put it as a PDF file for a drive-through role-playing game. This is a, one of the most renowned websites that sells PDF for role-playing games. It's called Drive-Through, and we are now negotiating with them. So it will be as a PDF on this website in upcoming weeks because my 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 dude here. Is in talks with them right now and is uploading this file. So if you are okay with the PDF drive-through role-playing games, if you prefer a hardback, you need to find out it somehow. Okay, wow, that's amazing, and it makes so much sense knowing your history, because of course, as your company motto says. It's all about the board games that tell stories. Correct. You've been a storyteller right from the beginning. He, yes, yes. Here in Poland, for most of the time, people knew me as a guy who wrote either role-playing games, either role-playing worlds, the whole universes, either adventures. And then, because my career switched, I became more prolific for board games. And you, as an international audience, know me only for board games. While here in Poland, the cost context is much you know, wider. And they recognize me as Ignacy. This is a guy who, for years, was writing about the fantasy worlds, etc. Right? I guess in Australia we're very similar to the US, where we're we're quite sheltered to uh, to a lot of Europe, and particularly Eastern Europe. When Portal Games came on the scene uh, with board games, it was sort of it was a big thing back then. There wasn't a lot of Eastern European board game designers. What was there? It is. It is a year of 2007. In in 2006. Czech game editions. Our friends from Czech, also Eastern Europe, go for the Athens for the first time, and then they release through the ages. <laughs> Amazing game, of course. And a year later, 2000, 2007, Portal Games, so company from Poland, goes to Essen and releases Neuroshima Hex, which is also becomes a major hit. So in this year, 2007, 2008, there was this uh, rumor that there's this interesting design ideas from the Eastern Europe, and both our company, Portal Games, and Czech game edition. We were the, one of the first companies that, in my opinion, of course, you can disagree, introduced this hybrid game. So they are very thematic, but they are Euro-style games. Like today, it is a norm that uh, Asmodee and FFG are releasing uh, such a game. But back then, it was either Ameritrash, so a lot of dice and killing everybody, either solid German, German games, Euro games. And we were in this, like, in the middle. We like solid rules. We like legit rules. We like Euro games. But we are these board games that tell stories. So... Galaxy Tracker from Czech Games Edition, Through the Ages from Czech Games Edition, all these games that have a great story, but they're legit, super legit games, Dungeon Pets, Dungeon Lords, and the same, and the same with, uh, with Portal Games, Neuroshima Hacks, super legit rules, very, very Euro game style, but there are lots of team, killing, robots, mutants, all that kind of jazz. <laughs> yes. So both of us, Czech Games Editions and Portal Games, I think we were one of the first companies 
who introduced these hybrid games. Now, I've, I do have to ask, because um, as well as being a huge Portal Games fan, I'm also um, in early stages now, but I'm a, becoming a big fan of Awakened Realms. You obviously would know those guys. Do you have any plans to do anything together? So, fun fact, you might not know it, the head of the development uh, at Awakened Realms is uh, Michael Orach, my closest friend on this planet. Like, if there's one person I can point out on this planet, is Michael Orach, my closest friend. He founded Portal Games with me. In 2010, he left company after these 10 years of, of working with me and building this company. He started a very different career, like uh, far away from gaming. Like he said, he's done with gaming, he's tired, he needs a break. And then after this uh, second, second career, he get back to gaming a couple of years ago with this, this War of Mine amazing board game. And he got hired by Awakened Rim. So my both fingers every single day are, are crossed for Michael Horace because, as I said, he's my closest friend on this planet. Yeah, so what they do is very close to me. If we will do something together in the future, I don't know. I guess in the long run, yes. Like, because, as I said... Uh, we both, Michael Orange and me, founded Portal Games. He is uh, like part of my life. Let's face it, like he is part of my life for so many years. And at some point, probably we'll do something together again. But at this point, I'm just a huge fan of Awakened Dreams, and uh, I keep my fingers crossed for every project they do. And uh, in these projects, like lately, other fields or first um, before Tate and Grail, like I can see impact of Michael Orange. I, I recognize these things because, you know, for 10 years we were sitting desk to the desk in one office writing these role-playing games. He wrote with me so many articles. He wrote, he wrote with me two role-playing games, so two books we wrote together. So, like, I recognize his style. I, I You know, I can feel him, right? So, uh, these uh, get designs, uh, I'm looking forward for the finished product. I keep my fingers crossed that they are successful, and I'm very proud that uh, me uh, ended up with a very successful company, Portal Games. Uh, we are growing like crazy. And Michael Orach uh, finished the, in this Awakened Dreams uh, head of development. So both of us started in a very small game company, Portal Games, 20 years ago, and now we are very proud of what we achieved. Well, that's an amazing coincidence. I'm really excited to hear. Um, I wasn't aware of Michael's involvement in uh, in Portal, so that's fascinating. Now, I'll come back to, to your board games for a moment. I'd like to touch on First Martians. Now, I'm a huge fan. I've played the first campaign, but I haven't played the second campaign, the Legacy campaign yet. But I have to say... I almost didn't go near the game because of what reviewers had said, particularly around the rules. Now, I should say, I, I am a huge Robinson Crusoe fan as well. So to me, I was so excited about that game. And then the reviews came in talking about problems of the rules, which almost turned me off it. Now, I'm so glad they didn't because I think it's an amazing game, and I've spoken about it on this podcast many times. But I wanted to ask, can you talk us through that? How did that feel? What did you think before the game launched? And how have you grown from that? For sure, and I say very openly about, about this, uh, 2017 and the release of the first Martians is one of the hardest months in my life. Like, seriously, like, it was really... I would not use the word depression because it was not depression, but it was really, really hard. And I was really in a very bad place in my life. And uh, let, let me explain uh, what I mean by that. I spent on this game overall about three years of my life. And for those who follow me on Twitter or Snapchat, like they, they know how I work. They know that I work from the moment I wake up 
till like midnight. Like my work is my life. This is my passion. This is my you know my love. So when I say that I spend three years working on this game, that means that for average person it's like five years. It's like I was all weekends, day and night designing this game. And you you, you know the game, so we can explain five or six unique scenarios in the base game. Then you have a five scenarios campaign, and then you have a five scenarios second campaign. So basically, for every other publisher. This is like a base game and two expansions already, and I put it all of that. I put it in one box. And so this is yeah, this is the three years of my life. And then with this whole expectations on my side, like I finally finished. I'm I'm done with this game. I'm very proud of this game. It is finally released, and I ask every single designer. I hope for now everybody saying Ignacy, good job, you did a great job, congratulations, we love this game. What I hear is the rulebook sucks. The game is terrible. It is complicated. It is co- it is confusing. Nobody knows how to play, and it's all is negative feedback. So of course it was a meeting of the huge, very positive hopes for the game, and you know my my dreams that people will now say, Ignacy, we see these three years of your work. It was hard work, but you did it. And then I get this absolutely negative feedback. This game sucks. It's confusing. I don't know how to play. Uh, I'm so disappointed. I want my money back. So it was terrible. Of course, it was terrible for me. I don't want to, uh, you know, go back to these times. It was very, very bad for me. But it was a great lesson. Like I learned so much, and uh, of course, I'd prefer to have lessons uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> less painful. Yes. Uh, but it was a good lesson. So, uh, on a serious note, how I perceive this project today, from this perspective and from this lesson, uh, I think uh, I don't. You played the game, so you can you can uh, discuss with me. Uh, what's your opinion? In my opinion. It was too ambitious. Like I wanted too much. I created a huge game with all these campaigns and scenarios and variants and all these cars. And there is so many event cars, so many adventure cars. Most of them has the misspellings and the grammar issues because instead of doing 50 good cars, I created 500 cars. But then I had a mistake with them. Yeah, so there was too much of everything in in this game because I was pride is not a good word. Like I was. I thought I can pull it off. Like I thought I'm I'm a good designer, I'm a great designer, I can pull it off, I can make a game with so many events, so many scenarios, so many missions, so many ways of play. Like you play the campaign, so we, we don't want to spoil anything, but you can confirm that these scenarios in the campaign, they are really different. Like they really pull this game in different directions. And without the spoilers, second campaign is even more hardcore and more crazy. And you will be so many times surprised. And so my expectations after racing the game was to hear Ignacy, we, we saw never in board gaming something like that. The twist in the story, the changes in the gameplay during the campaign, the legacy element that changes everything suddenly in the middle of the campaign. Ignacy, this is like watching the most exciting TV show. What I heard instead was, Ignacy, we don't know how to play the game. It is too complicated. It is confusing. The rulebook sucks. And uh, I created a big monster and I forgot about the user interface. Like I forgot that somebody at this other side of the table, the, the customer, when they buy the game, they have to understand how to play this beast. So if you would play with me, you would have the, probably one of the best times of your life because I would you know, manage all these tiny rules, all these exceptions, etc., and you will just feel and experience the story. Instead of you have to browse to the rulebook, then get angry that the rulebook doesn't answer the questions, you have to go to the Almanac PDF file. And I really sympathize with everybody who was failed by my team. So it was a terrible lesson, but it was a very important lesson. A year later, I, I released the game Detective that has like a few rules altogether. Uh, it is so simple. So I learned my lesson, and uh, I, I think that at some level, 
I would never be so successful with detective without this terrible experience with the first marshals. I, it, I really understood that designing great games doesn't mean putting 20 pages of rules. Like you can try to make five pages of rules and still have a great experience. So if First Martians has not ruined the brand because now this brand is not existing, like everybody hates the game, so there's no way we can discuss second edition. But if that will be discussed second edition, the game will be so much easier, so much simpler, and yet I would probably manage to provide you the same experience. But well, lesson learned, I'm sorry that you were all part of the experiment. And I'm, I'm happy that those of you who learned how to play the game, those of you who were, you know, stubborn enough and uh, trusted in the game, trusted that Ignacy probably did a great job, but the rulebook just sucks. So for those of you who managed to play the game, I guess that you, you have a great time. You, you had a great experience, but this um, moment of, of trying to play the game is really ruining so many experiences for so many players, and uh, I'm sorry for that. As you said, it was a, a massively ambitious project. Even, uh, you know, with everything else, it was one of the first real board game app integrations, you know, where that took that part of it seriously rather than some sort of dinky little effort. Now, did I just hear on your Facebook page that you're about to do an app for Robinson Crusoe? Correct. So we are working, and uh, basically we finished the working, we are now playtesting, um, the supporting app for the first for the Robinson Crusoe, and the idea is that when you bought the game, you have these 300 cards in the in the mm -hmm. box, which is like all reviewers say, infinite replayability. Like you have so many different events and adventures. But of course, if you play Robinson Crusoe for a couple of years, at some point you are tired of these events. So we found out that we can create more events. But instead of uh, you know selling them in sort of like I don't know mini packs or boosters, like it will be so difficult to distribute this. We said, that let's use the code from the first Martians app, which is already ready, and uh, put into this app, of course, changing interface and layout, but let's put their events and adventures for Robinson Crusoe because the code is basically ready. And now you can, you will be able this year, we are racing it this year later, uh, able to play Robinson Crusoe, the regular game of Robinson Crusoe. So we are playing the game as you always played, but instead of using the physical cards that you have in the, in the box, you will use the cards from the app and it is dedicated for all of you who already played Robinson Crusoe like 50 times and you know all these events you know by heart already. So we will surprise you with more events, more, more adventures. And what we try to achieve here with my development team is that when you start the game of this uh, Robinson Crusoe with this app, you will choose, uh, we call them, at this point we call them boosters. I don't know if it, it will be a final, final name. But at the beginning of the, the game, you choose, for example, Pirate Island, or you will choose Dinosaur Island, and you will choose the Voodoo Island. And if you choose this booster, all adventures and all events are somehow dedicated to like one meta event. So you are playing a regular game of Robinson Crusoe, like Castaway scenario, or Saving Jenny scenario, or any of these regular ones. But all the events and all adventures tell another story, like another layer, like you are now saving Jenny on this island, but this island is a voodoo island and there is some stupid ritual going on and instead of saying Jenny, you also have to look at these cultists who are, you know, running around and doing some dark dark magic. So, once again, we want to add another layer of the story, making all these uh, adventures and events have some synergy between them. And so for us, it's a great fun. Like, basically, this, this is the highlight of my job, yes, uh, designing all these new surprises for the players. I'm um, CEO of the company, so sometimes I have to do invoicing and this is boring. <laughs> sometimes I have, you know, to answer stupid emails and this is boring. But when I sit with my development team and when we create these events for you and new adventures and when we can 
try to you know imagine how you will be playing this game and you will be surprised with this new event and this new mechanism like we are laughing and we are happy and this is the highlight so this amp will be ready this year we will have three boosters in this app that are for free so we are downloading this app for free it costs you nothing and you get these three boosters and then of course there will be more boosters in the works and these boosters you will be able to buy in app if you will see that people like it. So first, these three boosters, uh, probably Pilot Island, Dinosaur Island, and Voodoo Island. And if we have a positive feedback, we will try to come up with more of them. We will see. But at this point, as you can probably hear, I am pretty excited. Like, this is exactly <laughs> what we are playtesting right now. So like yesterday, I was doing this Pilot Island. So this is, this is what, what, what's exciting right now in the office. It's like a multiverse of Robinson Crusoe's. Yep. Well, there you go. That was part one of Ignazi and Mark talking about everything in Portal Games World, finishing up with an app for Robinson Crusoe. Mm -hmm. That's pretty exciting. So, look, we're going to go through to a song and then we'll come back with part two with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. Hi, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemaier Games and you are listening to the Dice Men Cometh podcast. Well, there you go. That was Claire Bowditch. She loves the way I talk with the Gnatsay Trezacek here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. With the Dice Men Cometh, and without any further ado, Garth, mm-hmm. I think we'll just cut to part two of my interview. Actually, I heard you uh, speak a while back around Detective. You talked about how you have changed the ending of the game so much since it started, but obviously because the ending of the game happens in the computer interface, that's something that you can change without having to send out any physical components, without people having to buy an expansion. Is this something that you're really looking to become more and more part of your games? So there is no strategy in the company that we are looking for designs that uses computer. But we are also not afraid of that. We are not, you know, refusing things. So for first Martians, it was obvious for us that we wanted to be more high-tech and science-ish. So that's why the app. For Detective, it was called Modern Crime Board Game. So we wanted this feeling of being FBI and, you know, checking uh, signatures and checking uh, uh, some data. So we wanted it. So depending on the design, depending on the game, uh, but for sure what I can confirm with my experience with so far with the first Martians and Detective, on the one hand, there is a, a lot of delays because when I design something on a paper in an analog version, I design it, I write it down on the, on the paper and I can play test. With the first Martians or Detective, we were having some ideas, we were designing some ideas, and then I had to pass it to the coders and wait stupid two weeks, then kick them in the ass, <laughs> then wait another week, and maybe three weeks later I can play test it. So, you no, know, this delay is very frustrating because whatever you come up with, somebody else has to prepare it and you have to you know to kick them and finally play test it. And if it sucks, you are in the base zero once again, right? So this delay is very frustrating from me, from my perspective as designer. On the other hand, what you exactly mentioned, it gives us a tool to modify, to update, to change even after release of the game. And uh, what you mentioned here with the detective, we were playing with the final scoring of the game. At this point, I think it's already three times. So the game was released one year ago. We are celebrating uh, this September one year anniversary of the game. And uh, 
we already changed the scoring three times because we see all the data. Like we have all the entries from the players who play the game. We see what hours your guys playing. We see how long your guys playing. But we also see your scores. We see which scenario is too difficult, which one is too easy, and we can change, you know, the questions on the fly. So of course we don't do announcement because it's not something that it is important for every gamer. But the, behind the scenes in the code. We are we are fixing, and it is not fixing. Like, this is not the game was broken, but we are just adjusting to make the best best experience possible to make every case be so. The average we want the players to win is like 70, 75 percent of the wins we want. This is the this is the aim we want. So we want most of the players win the case, win the game, but we don't want more of them because we want somebody to lose the game to you know think okay this is not so easy game. I have to really think. I have to really deduct. Like there's no auto auto win, so we are ch sometimes changing questions, sometimes we're changing the scoring value of different of different achievement during the game. So yes, this is a process. This is a fascinating for me that I can mess up the game a little bit after the release. We are not actively looking to design games that have an IT element, but we are not afraid of that. If we have a good idea for the game that uses a computer or app, we will not uh, hesitate and we'll go toward this direction. I played detective with my my partner. We absolutely loved it. But what we found was we were not getting a lot of the physical evidence, the DNA, the fingerprints, and those things. Yep. But we were following our, if you like, detective. You know, your gut feeling, your police hunches about. We used to ask ourselves, um, you know, what would Luther do or what would Sherlock do, and follow those. And we found when we got to those end questions, we weren't getting a lot of those physical evidence things solved, but we would still solve the actual crime. And I guess, as you said, there's there's so many different ways you can go in the story. It, it's just an amazing game. Yeah, we are very proud. Like uh, we we have this feeling that we did something good. Like uh, we have so many emails from the players, and if you compare it with uh, Imperial Settlers, Robinson Crusoe, like we released many successful games, but none of these games previously released had so many players writing email to the company, to the publisher, to us, saying thank you for the game. I had a great experience with my friends or my family. I played with my parents. They not, don't play games, but I introduced them to the detective. I had a great time with my family. They send us pictures of their mind maps. So none other of our games made people so excited, so happy with the game, that they felt obliged to contact publisher and just say thank you. So for us, it is a, it is a super kind uh, when we receive such emails. I post them on our internal forum. We have a company forum, so I post them. So every employee of the of the company who were because everybody was playtesting the game. Like for detective, every employee of the company was involved in designing this game. It was like a team spirit and, and team project. So everybody is proud. Everybody is excited, and we really appreciate every email that we received for the past uh, few months about the game. And it, it, it feels good. It feels good to create such a game. It's been an amazing success, and I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to the expansion. Uh, although I do have to ask you one one question about your choice of having the LA expansion be an expansion and not a standalone game. When it seems you've got a new board, you've got new counters, you've obviously got new cards. All you're really carrying over is the tokens. Was there a thought to having the second game be standalone and just include a sheet of tokens? What was the thinking behind that? I don't remember what was the thinking, but I know we were wrong. Like, uh, if if we this, if we can um, go back to the time, if if we are today, 
I would release LA Cramp as a standalone game. I would add uh, one more scenario to standalone scenario, and I put it separately because uh, that's, for example, our Korean publisher uh, of Detective decided to do it as a standalone. So they said, Ignacy, for Korean, would you agree that we will do it as a standalone? Because it will reach a different uh, audience, it will reach different customers, it is our way to relaunch the game again with a different cover and different team and gather new customers. So today I agree with you and with Korean uh, publisher, And um, but well, uh, we thought that the expansion would be a good idea, but then, as, as you mentioned, when we were finishing these cases, when we were, you know, finishing the development, okay, basically we need a new board, basically we need some more tokens, like the, the expansion was growing after we already decided that it will be not standalone. So uh, we will see for, for next year, for 2020, at PortalCon, we have uh, our own one-day one event in Poland that we announce all the, uh, the new games that we are going to release in upcoming year. So in January 2020, we will announce some new content for Detective. And I can uh, already spoil that it will be some, some small expansions as LA Crime, but it will be also some standalone stuff because this is a lesson that we learned that the standalone is so much easier for players to start into the line and learn the line so this is a lesson learned but uh, uh, on one hand i'm uh, not happy that uh, well i should do it as standalone but on the other hand i'm super excited that i'm 20 years in the industry i know the industry very well and yet every year i have a new idea i have uh, something new to learn i'm still having this you know joy of discovering how we can do something better how we can change how we can learn so Uh, this part of the process, I love the process, so uh, just looking forward for the new ideas we will have. Just harking back to something you said, you said to me early on about how if I played First Martians with you, obviously I would have an amazing experience because you would know all the ins and outs, you don't know all the little tricky rules. Now I know also that one of the things you've been working on is working with Amazon's Alexa to have some form of board game teaching, whether that be a specific game or I'm not sure, but can you just tease me a bit about that? Yeah, so this is our project that we are working on now. And uh, for Monolith Arena, it is almost ready. We, we need some, uh, I mean, it is ready. We send it to the native speakers. We had some feedback to do some corrections, but it will be released this year. So the idea behind this is that Alexa from Amazon com is so popular in, in America. If you look into, into the data, how many households has Alexa device at home, it is mind-blowing, like how strong Amazon.com is in America and how many people have this Alexa device. And the, the, the thinking about it was that we are playing the game and we were all in the same place at some point in our life. Like we are playing the game and you have this, basically, what's, what's, the final, what's the final scoring, how we score? And you start browsing the rulebook and checking uh, what's the victory points for that or that. But if you can ask the same questions aloud as uh, what's the final score scoring? And the Alexa will immediately tell you the final scoring for this game is one point for the building, two points for the workers, three points for the gold token. And you already know the answer. You don't need to browse anything like Alexa told you. So we decided to experiment with that device. And we created the app, the first app for the Monolith Arena, our game that we released last year. So we tried to come up with all the questions possible during the game. We put all these questions into the Alexa device, and then, of course, we put all the answers. And now when you are playing a Monolith Arena, and you are having this token, and it has an icon, and you don't know how this icon works, you just ask, hey, Alexa, how the horse icon works? And Alexa says, horse icon represents the cavalry. The cavalry works like that, that, that. And you say, thank you, Alexa. And you can play, and you didn't need to browse anything, because the Alexa, the Alexa knows the answer. 
And uh, what's even more exciting, uh, what, what we learned with working with this device, in the Alexa stores all the questions that, that were asked, but uh, she didn't know the answer. So we can update this app over the you know, months and years. So at some point, ultimately, she will know every answer. Like every question that people will ask Alexa, we will put the answer for that. So, hey, Alexa, what's the tiebreaker? Hey, Alexa, how this ABT works? Hey, Alexa, can I charge if I'm in the net? And she knows all the answers and you don't need to browse the rulebook. So I strongly believe this is the future of board gaming. I know that I'm uh, too small to make a revolution, but I feel that I'm the first one who will do the Alexa app, and then Asmodi and FFG and all these big features will look at this and say, hey, this is smart, let's do it. And then you will have this Alexa for Ticket Ride, you will have Alexa for Catan, and you will have all of that, because the one big problem in board gaming is these stupid rulebooks. And of course, with the first Martians, it's like a crazy problem. But even the smallest game, even the Ticket to Ride, if you can um, imagine just people who just bought Ticket to Ride, it's their first game, they have no clue what's going on, and they have so many questions. If they can ask these questions aloud, and Alexa will tell them. And for the example, for Monolith Arena, we have this element that you ask Alexa, hey Alexa, how we can set up the game? And you ask this question, and Alexa says, put the board in the, on the, on, in the middle, find the token, put this, this, and she teaches you how to do it uh, for yourself. So I think it's the future. I don't know if the Alexa will be our future uh, device for the board gamers, maybe Google Home, maybe some other devices, but I'm very, very positive that in the future, these rule books will be, of course, as a point of reference. We all love writing materials, even though there is TV, we still read books. Even though there is the internet, we still read the newspaper. So rule book, the paper rule book will be always, in my opinion, in the board games boxes as a reference. But still, there'll be so many different uh, devices and different tools that you can just talk to some device and this device will teach you and this is the future because we love to play board games but most of us hate to read these stupid rules right yeah i think you're so right we we spoke recently on our show about how it's almost inexcusable now for a board game to come out without there being a really great youtube instructional video watch it played or board gaming rules or something and this is really the next step isn't it i hope so i, I hope that i'm the first one and uh, i will do a revolution and i don't need an award i don't need a diploma i just want in the future to play games easier so like i'm just giving giving a heads up for the Asmodee and all the big features. Hey guys, look what I'm doing. Do the same because I want to play your games without reading rulebooks. So uh, I hope that it will be the first and I hope that the, most of the publishers will say, okay, this is smart, let's do it in our games. It is such a clever idea. Ignatze, you may not have a diploma from college or university, but you certainly get the Dicemen Diploma of Awesomeness. I appreciate that. For your storytelling and your amazing games. Look, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I have really appreciated it. Thank you for having me, absolutely. So obviously you've got your, your website, portal.pl. You, you also do a couple of podcasts, don't you? Oh my God, like uh, you go to any place in internet and I'm there. Like I'm on Twitter, as at Shevig, you can find me. I'm on Instagram, I'm doing a Board Games Insider podcast with Steven Bonacor about the business side. So in this podcast we talk, we discuss all the news about the industry, so uh, more business oriented. I do a vlog uh, every Monday on YouTube, I, I, I publish vlog. This is a quite unique thing because every single day I have one employee who goes into the, here in the office with the camera, making some um, uh, material and then every Friday we release it as a way to show 
real life from the real offices so you can see us playtesting games and having fun and sometimes being very mad etc so if you find out portal games and you find Ignacy in the internet if you love blog we have a blog if you like youtube we have a vlog if you like podcast we have a podcast like i cannot stop sharing my passion <laughs> like this is my life as i mentioned earlier I'm waking up, going to work, but then after these eight hours of work, I'm still on social media, I'm still chatting with players, and I'm on Facebook groups, like, this is my passion and my, my life. Thank you so much for your time today, I really have appreciated it. Thank you, sir, thank you for the invitation, greetings to all your listeners, and uh, I hope to, you will find me somewhere on YouTube, podcasts, whatever else, find me, thank you. Well, there you go. That was part two of Mark's very extensive and very in-depth interview with Ignatza Trevichak. Asking the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, you look, I must say, Mark, you know, as much as you want to just be like a dog with a bone and go, please love me, please love me. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, it was good to see that he acknowledged, obviously, you know, the tough times that came along with... Uh, First Martians. Yes. And then, obviously, you know, the, the decision-making process behind Detective uh, and the standalone. Yeah. So, look, well done, Mark. You I, know, it was I felt worthwhile like, having a late night on a Wednesday. Yeah, I did feel like he opened up to me a bit. And, look, every time I interview one of these guys, I feel like this guy's the nicest guy in board games. And it's the same with Ignazi. He was so lovely, so nice. You know, he's happy to spread the word of our podcast to everyone, which is so good. And interestingly, you know, I asked him in the first part about Awakened Realms, obviously a big published company. I had no idea that he had the Tasmanian connection where his best friend in the world happened to be the lead designer for that company. <laughs> that You know, it was just the fact that they were both in Poland. I actually was up late again on Monday night where Marchin, I think is his is how you pronounce his name, who's the head of Awakened Realms, yep. does his Facebook live chat where he says where they're up to with all the projects and then answers questions from people who write them in the comments. And so I sent him the comment saying, Hey Marchin, have you ever thought about producing a game with other Polish game designer Ignace Trezacek? And he said no, he hadn't really thought about it. Um, and he said the reason why is because they're a publisher, Awaken Realms is a publisher, and Portal is a publisher. Mm. And so, yes, they might have designers, but, you know, you, one publisher wants to publish the game. Who would publish it? Well, who wants to make the money? But he did also say he has huge respect for Ignazi, not just as a game designer but as a businessman. Yeah. You know, he's had this company, as Ignazi mentioned, for 20 years now. Um, having a successful board game company, starting off in role-playing. But that that in itself is a huge badge of kudos for him and for how, you know, what he's putting to this hobby, I think. Well, to be able to make a career out of games and gaming is a remarkable effort just to get something approaching enough income mm -hmm. to put food on your table, let alone be able to invest money to get bigger and better is pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So, look... Well done, Mark, on another successful interview. We're going to come you. up with uh, with an idea about who we want to interview next. Yeah, well, maybe uh, if you're out there and you're thinking, wow, Mark, that was an amazing interview. Well, thank you very much. But if you're thinking, you know, who should I speak to next, maybe you can hit us up with some ideas because there's a lot of them out there. Would you like to interview me, Mark? Get to know Dice Man don't I, don't I do that every week? Still plenty of things I'm not going to tell you about without being paid for it, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, look, we better throw to a song, and then we're going to come back and wrap this little baby up, tiny little bundle in it. So you're if the dice men coming. It's right 99.3 FM. <laughs> 
Remember those awkward dating moments that would be really great to forget? Moments like this. Uh, hello, my name is Leon and um, I know where you live. Okay. I'd like to buy you a drink if only they have changed for this $10,000 note. I don't think so. I make cute babies. Oh, maybe. Does that hair go 88 miles an hour because it's on fire? On your bike, Mike. Hello, darling. Want to see more people? No. Do you believe in love at first sight or should I walk past you again? Let's keep walking. Have you ever fallen over a stump? How about a branch? How about a root? Would you like to play with my deck building game? The more you play, the bigger it gets. So I don't know respond to that. Roses are red, I suck it, pick up lines. See that then. So if you've ever been in this awkward situation and you wouldn't like to be any more, jump onto Kickstarter and check out Matchbreaker by Candy Burger Games. It's already funded, so you will get this game and all they're doing is getting more stretch goals day after day. Go onto Kickstarter and back it now. What are you waiting for? Do it now! FM. This is The Dicemen Cometh, where we talk about board games, card games, role-playing games. We talk to world-famous board game designers like Ignatz Trezicek. We do. And Garth. Hello. We play games on our phones in the toilet. Well, at least I do. <laughs> I do too sometimes. Oh, you do? Excellent. But when you tell me about these amazing games... now. We've got a few minutes left to fill at the end of the game, and I do believe you have been spending some time in the toilet recently. I have been. Thank you very much for asking about my toilet behaviour. So, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to mention quickly One Deck Dungeon, which is designed as, like it says, one to two player card game, but really it's a solo roguelike dungeon crawl mm -hmm. that is essentially a deck of cards where, look, it's designed by Chris Sislik, who designed Red 7. Yes. Uh Published by Asmati Games. Now, Chris was also the publisher of... Yeah, he, I think he was the publisher of the owner of Rome. Yeah. I think he owned Asmati Games. Yeah. And I think he worked with, with Carl, Carl Chudik mm -hmm. around innovation. And obviously, Carl Chudik published Glory to Rome. I don't know if that was through Asmati Games, but there was a link there. Anyway, that, that game's long gone and lost. Oh, I still hope. It's and we, we played this in the physical form with Leon, didn't we? No. Yes, I'm sure we did One Deck Dungeon. It's a really no. quick... It's not that one? No. You're talking what about maybe Dungeon of? Mayhem. No. Or... Five Minute Dungeon. Five Minute Dungeon. That's the one. So, yeah. again, okay. neither of those things. So, One Deck Dungeon... <laughs> look, I bought it on sale for about 4 or $5. It's normally about 10 or 11 bucks oh, uh, from the App Store. Mm -hmm. But because it's a roguelike, which essentially means every time you play it, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And your job is to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the dungeon, fighting boss after boss after boss. Now, when you are playing this game, it is very simply a dice rolling and then dice allocation game yep. where you're going to be flipping over a card that is you know, one of the rooms that you are going in in this particular dungeon. On the other side of the card will be a bad guy, whether it be an ooze or a brute or a, some, you know, uh, a trap, some spike arrows that come up. Yeah, whatever it is. And you'll have to pass certain tests. So you might have to pass you know, a dex test or a strength test or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That is signified by rolling some of the various coloured die. And you'll roll them and you need to have achieved a certain number. So there'll be on each card that is quite perfectly represented in the app, you'll have to say roll 11 points of blue, whatever blue may be, okay. 
But the way you've got to do that is you've got to have at least one that's five or higher, uh, uh, one that's four that higher, and then you yeah. can make up the difference in any of the blue dice. So it's sort of like a, di- a dicey puzzle. Yeah. So it's, a, it's look, it's very much a solo, small deck filler kind of game. Yeah. I guess it really doesn't last that long. It says 30 to 45 minutes in the physical version. Yeah. But you can go through a game on your app in about 10 minutes okay. without really breaking a sweat. Yeah. And it's a really nice representation of the, the physical depends, game. Depends and how hard you're straining. Correct. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes we use the, you know, as our fortress of solitude <laughs> to, to sit on the throne for yes. a little while and just have our alone time away from our loved ones and <laughs> children. Uh, so, look, this... This game is good fun, but for $11, it's a lot considering what you can get on the App Store for $11 these days. So I do really enjoy it, and if I've got 10 or 15 minutes, I'll certainly play it. However, what I've been playing a lot of is just Roll For It as well, which is another little quick game, but the app, I got it when it was on sale for $0, and... Myself and the kids and even the better half, Joanna, she joins us sometimes and we just sit around my phone and we play Roll For It where all you're trying to do is roll your six dice and you're allocating them to three cards where you've got, if you have a two, a three, a four and a six, you'll get ten points. If you've got another card that just has a pair of twos, you might get two points and it's the first to 40 points from memory. But that game is simple and fun and doesn't pretend to be anything different than it is. Yeah, okay. I mean... It's interesting with the with the prices, as you say, because I was I was actually trying to find out how much something like Twilight Struggle is in the App Store. Oh now. yeah, okay. I couldn't because I've already got it installed on my phone and okay. it won't tell me. But he, you know, here's Takedo. Yep. Three dollars. Exactly. Ten dollars is a lot it for is a, a game. Lot. And look, it is really fun, and you can certainly strategize because every time you defeat a bad thing, then you can choose to use a benefit because you'll either be able to gain experience, which allows your your character to level up, get an item, which might give you the ability to change die rolls into something better, or a skill. And again, that might be instead of rolling two pink dice, you roll three, which again increases your chances of getting more numbers, which means you're increasing your chances of passing those tests in the future. So there is certainly strategy there. However, it's very much in the, I guess, the Friday mould of yeah. solo games in that you are very much beholden to the cards you reveal in the order in which you reveal them because sometimes, again, in Friday, which is an awesome solo app game, yes, yes, it is. you can be completely and utterly destroyed just through a couple of bad card flips and this game can go one of two ways. You can go really, really deep and really, really well or you can hit a stumbling block very, very quickly. Now, the, the good thing is you've got hit points, so it's not like you fail against one baddie and it's game over. You just will slowly lose some health and yeah. you'll go you know, weaker and weaker and weaker, and then you'll have a victory and you'll be able to get it up again. And yeah. it's, it's good fun, but keep an eye on it when it's on sale. I was going to say, it sounds like fun... If it's on sale, it might be one to pick up. Correct. Otherwise, it might be a little bit expensive. Yeah. But the apps are getting a little, a little bit more expensive these days. Yeah, but it's, it's, look, it's a really good app version of a physical game. Yeah. Now, we've run out of time, of course, Garth. Oh. We've only got time for one more thing, and that's for me to say happy birthday for Saturday. Yay. When you turn 40, I mean, to me, you're, you're already a bit of an old man, I must admit. Okay, thank you. Which is much. good. You know, that's a compliment. And look, if anyone out there wants to say happy birthday to Garth, like I wouldn't bother, he's not really worth it. <laughs> but, hey, you could do that on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, on our Twitter account. 
You could send a message to dicebencomer at gmail.com or you could listen in next week to next week's episode. But until then, we are going to be gone. So bye. Bye. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.